Uh, we're in, in the book of Genesis. We're talking about Eve, the mother of all living. But I need to introduce to you our guest speaker this morning. Our guest speaker was just baptized last Sunday. His birthday is coming up next week. Could you welcome up North Dakota Hill? I'm not sure. You're on. Hello. My name is Dakota Hill, and... Um, I didn't ask a question yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so shy. Nope. Okay, um, how old are you going to be? I'm going to be 15 next week. Okay. How long have you known your mom? Since I was born. So almost 15 years. Yes. All right. Um, just so you know, this guy is probably the best hugger in our church. He's a hug waiting to happen, my kind of people. Um, how often do you hug and your mom and tell her you love her? Almost every day. Why almost? Oh, well, every day. Every day? Morning? Yes. Night? Yes. Okay. If you play this right, you can get whatever you want from your mom after this, just half the kingdom. Uh, how, how does your mom bless you? When she provides for us, like food, um, encouragement, and um, the way she prays for us. She what? Prays. She us. prays for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, does she have a favorite meal that you like to cook, or that she cooks for you? Steak and lobster. Are you serious? Yes. This mom in the front row is going, I've been ripped off. Gosh. All right, any, uh, how do we pray for your mom? She has a migraine, and I just hope everybody here prays for her, and that she'll have a wonderful day today, and um, that, that she'll um, be all right, and that's it. That's all I have. Okay, so mom was supposed to be here today. Yes. And it was a secret. We wanted the slobbering effect, and she woke up with a migraine, but she really did. And so, uh, you know what? Why don't we have all the moms stand up? All moms stand up. Please. Please. You gonna pray for them? You wanna pray for the moms? Okay. Wait. Dear Lord, please pray for these moms and that they will have a wonderful day by their kids and that they will have a wonderful Mother's Day today. And um, do you need to pray amen? Amen. <laughs> Well, there's more, but, <laughs> yeah. P.S. Yeah, P.S. Okay, what, what is, is there more? Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> if my mom, if, um, if there are kids are watching, if they are, I mean, that they'll have a wonderful day and that they will encourage their mom to have a wonderful Mother's Day and that they'll get gifts for their mother. In Jesus' name, pray, amen. Amen. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. And I hope you feel better. Okay. <laughs> All right, Dakota has to get back to children's ministry. Bob King is waiting for him across the street. Um, he's on loan this morning, and he's one of the kids' favorite. All right, uh, hard act to follow, right? Let's turn our Bibles. Are you there already to Genesis chapter 3? The Eve 
the mom of all living. I know I'm going to have trouble with this thing. Sorry. What's that? Okay. Um, Mother's Day for some is the hardest day of the year. And uh, we received this this morning. Um, some mothers who have lost their kids, they died. Estranged from their kids from one reason or another. Could be their fault, could be the kids' fault. Can't have kids, but they want to. That's my sister-in-law, Karen's sister. Uh, she's been with the Lord now for 10 plus years, but never could have kids and seemed cruel, to be honest. Uh, people who were adopted don't know their, their natural birth mom. Those who lost a sibling with whom you shared your mom. People who chose not to have kids. People who lost their moms to death. People estranged from their moms. Maybe they're druggies. Maybe they're in prison. Maybe they drove their kids out with a bad attitude. People who lost their parenting partner. Mothers who gave up someone for adoption. Now they want to reconnect. The loss of someone who made you feel special as a mom and all the other ways a mom's hurt. If you are in that category, we salute you for being here today because for some, this is the worst day of the year. Uh, but we want to, at the same time, salute our moms. It's Mother's Day and you guys have often a thankless job. All right, so now Eve. We're going to talk about Eve. She, was, she had a lot of firsts in her life. If you think about it, she was the first one to taste a papaya. Maybe Adam and Eve did it at the same time. But the first bite of a papaya or, or uh, cocoa, maybe was she addicted to chocolate? Did it go straight to her? Um, first to taste lettuce. Did her eyes pop when she tasted a pear? The other night my wife was out and I'm home and... Uh, wanting a snack. This is for you vegans. I had a pear. Could have had a T-bone, but no, no, vegan night. So, uh, but I, I saw this pear in the refrigerator. It's nice and cold. But when I bit into it, it exploded in my mouth. My mouth was refreshed, happy, and all that. And, and I just thought, what, what was Eve like when she bit her first pear? Uh, did she just go, wow, that's insane. Uh, well, she must have been adventurous. Just trying all this new stuff like this whole garden of paradise. And she, hey, try whatever you want. So she goes up to that first strawberry. Was she going, wow, look at this. Look at the color compared to the papaya. Did she take her first bite and go, need some whipped cream. I, I think she was adventurous. I think she was beautiful. Because... This woman was fashioned by God himself, created, if you will. So I'm thinking God made Miss Universe at, at that time. We know she's beautiful from, from Adam's reaction when he first saw her. And you might read it, oh, behold, woman, I'm going to call her. You know, that's just so boring. That's not what it was in the original language. He took a look at her and goes, that's what I'm talking about. You know, it's going to be a honeymoon tonight. He was just happy. She was the most beautiful thing he ever saw. Now, when it comes to creation, make no mistake, she didn't evolve. She was created. Creation brings up the essential problem of philosophy. Now, here's a picture of Jean-Paul Jean Sartre. He died over 40 years ago. He's a philosopher, and he said... You know, the essential problem of philosophy is there's something 
instead of nothing, why? So and to end all arguments of creation, evolution, Gaffsel's wealth, it says, you know what? Why are you here? That's the basic problem of, of philosophy, answering why. God created you on purpose and for a purpose. I love this picture of Einstein. I mean, is that the most famous? He's had another famous one where he's sticking his tongue out. But I love his hair. That guy's either a brilliant scientist or a madman. There's nothing in between. But he was brilliant, right? And so one day, the students in one of his classes decided there's no God. Now, how does a man with a brilliant mind who loves the Lord share with that class? Because if you insult them, you've lost them. He's trying to build a bridge to them, right? So he says, okay, collectively, the question went something like this. Collectively, how much of all the knowledge in the world do you students in this class possess? So they talk amongst themselves for a while, and they said, all the knowledge, well, I think collectively, they're all brilliant students. So go, we know about 5%. So Einstein thought that was very generous of them. They, didn't come close to that, but instead of insulting them, to build a bridge, he goes, 5%. So is it possible God exists in the 95% you don't know? I thought that was brilliant. So yes, she was created. Back to Eve. She must have been romantic. First one married. If you think about it, the first one kissed. Do you ever think of that? This has never happened before in the universe, and this guy touches her lips with his lips. Was it one of those um, Lay's potato chip moments where, you know, you just can't have one? Did she say, come here, you animal. Give me more. You, woman, technically, I'm the only one here who's not an animal. But uh, yeah, I, I just think, did, didn't she just go, what was that? She's a full-grown woman. She's never been kissed, and all of a sudden, wow, she's seeing things. Now, according to my wife, Eve also had a lot of nevers, meaning she never had baggage from previous relationships. She had never was addicted to pornography. She had never messed up. She had no regrets. She really is as pure as the wind-driven snow. Just a clean slate. Just innocent. She has nothing, none of this uh, old baggage. She, <laughs> she never had in-laws or outlaws. Now, I have to remind myself, we have a future in-law here this morning. Just flew over for her daughter's shower. And I, this was not planned. Okay? You're a wonderful person. I don't care what Tyler says about you. <laughs> but, you know, the, she didn't have that, the blessing of in-laws. She didn't have the challenges of in-laws. She didn't say, oh, you're a package deal. You come with those weird uncles. You, you have these brothers who play pranks on you and follow you to the honeymoon and mess everything up. You're, you're not a package deal. It's just you. It's all, what you see is what you get. She didn't have any of that stuff. She, she was never embarrassed. You know, you can get embarrassed to the point where it affects you for years to come. Years to, and, and you go in a similar situation, oh, no, 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 no. 
I debated sharing this, but in seventh grade, now seventh grade is weird, a challenging year for everybody anywhere. And we, a bunch of us went horseback riding. It's like four girls, four boys. And as we're horseback riding, nature called. Actually, nature screamed. For some reason, riding a horse, all the fluids in my body went to the center and wanted to release. So I'm, I gotta get away from these girls. So I just take off with my horse as fast as I could. Well, the girls thought it was a challenge. They thought it was a race, so they're chasing. It's the only time in my life I've ever been chased by girls. And so finally, I'm out, I'm 19 miles away now, and, just, uh, and I'm looking around and I go, oh, just in time. Almost. About 10 seconds too late. And it was ugly. And so I'm not gonna get, there's no PowerPoints on this one. But let's just say the inside of my leg was sopping wet of my jeans. So the girls finally catch up. And I think it was Mary Nags. Hey, Mike, did you wet your pants? No, I fell in a puddle. <laughs> We've had a drought for three years. Where's this puddle? I don't want to show you. I don't want you to fall into it. Because it was just, it was ridiculous. But it affected me. So that was a Saturday. Two days later, it's Monday in, in school, in seventh grade. And it's like, you can see them. <laughs> there he is. And I just, I was embarrassed. And I kept thinking, I wish, literally, I remember that. I wish it was three weeks from now so I didn't have to face this stuff. I wish this was all in my past. But the thing is, when you're really embarrassed, it can affect you for years to go. Eve didn't know that. She's not embarrassed of anything. She has no baggage, no mind games. She never looks at Adam and goes, well, what did he mean by that? What are you really saying? And she has none of that. Just the clean, <laughs> somebody had that. <laughs> okay, never had a belly button. That's in the Hebrew. Uh, Come on, you've never seen a picture of Eve with a belly button, so it's there. All right, but she must have been human. And I'm not going to belabor this point. We know she was the first to fall. She was the first to be deceived because she was so trusting. Why not? Everybody there tells the truth. There's no reason to be suspicious. She didn't even know that word. Why would you be suspicious? There's no such thing. And so along comes Satan disguised, and she didn't let down her guard. There's no guard. There's no suspicion. She trusts everyone. And you know the story. Are you sure that's what God said? You can't do this? You can't touch it? I mean, don't you know it's really good? It's good. For, you would benefit by doing this. And that's pretty much what happens in sin. The temptation is you'll be better off if you indulge you will be immediately gratified if you take this step. And so she was the first to be tempted, which is not a sin. Temptation happens all the time. You know what? It especially happens in church. You might have been there, everybody else around you looks like, man, I think they're in heaven. They're worshiping God. I'm dealing with issues. I'm thinking of my past. I'm thinking of this. 
But she was the first one to be tempted. That's not the sin. The sin is to cross the line. Matter of fact, trespass means there's a line and you cross the line. That's one form of sin. She was the first one to feel guilt. Now, I call that the spiritual hangover. If you're picturing this right, she's going, what? What is wrong? I mean, everything in me feels horrible. I just, guilt, it's just, what's wrong? It's, it's called guilt. And there's only one way to deal with it. It's the proper way before God. But she dealt with it wrong. She was the first one to sew. She was a seamstress. She sewed fake leaves together, which seems really itchy. And she tries to hide from God. She was the first one. She wasn't the last one to try and hide from God. So God comes in the cool of the... He, he just wants to fellowship. Remember what he said? Adam, where are you? If you ever want a verse for the man being the head of the family, that's the one. Adam, where are you? And Adam was, uh, I think you want Eve. She's really evil. She's horrible. You know, I don't know why you gave her to me. He's trying to deflect right away, but the man was called out, Adam, where are you? God knew where he was. And so they're trying to hide from God. Remember the first time they feel guilt, and I'm glad that they couldn't hide from God. We'll get into that in, in a little bit. But I think she's got a bad rap because she's really known for the one really bad thing she did, and she lived, Adam was over 900 years old. We think she lived alongside him. I think she did a lot more good than bad, but she's known for one thing, one thing from her past, and, and I think that's horrible. It's horrible for, well, I know you. Yeah, you're the one that brought sin into the world. And I think it's, I know there's a lot of moms today who get a bad rap for cooking a bad meal. One lousy meal, and now she's a horrible cook. And you bring it up all the time. Well, you won't remember 17 years ago, you cooked that thing. You didn't have steak and love like that kid up here. Just uh, <laughs> Anyway, she was first to have her heart broken by a child. If you're familiar with the story, her first two boys, first two kids, Cain kills Abel. Now we're in Genesis chapter 4. And if you notice, I'm doing broad strokes. Most people know that are familiar with the story of Adam and Eve. So I don't know how you deal with one child killing the other. Especially when God was coaching them, don't do that. Hey, Cain, chapter 4, Genesis, God comes along. What are you so down about? What's your problem? And sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to rule over you. Same word that God, God used for part of the curse. We'll get into that soon. Your desire is to rule over your husband, Eve. It's part of the curse. And, and just, what, a couple of verses later, Cain kills his brother. Now, have you ever thought of this? I think, she, I think Eve has mind games at this point. I think she's going, it's my fault. If I hadn't introduced sin into this world, this would have never happened. 
if I didn't eat the forbidden fruit, so she's thinking it's all my fault. You, you, you did introduce sin, but you didn't kill anybody. But I think as a mom, her heart is ripped open and she's going, somehow this is my fault. Somehow it all goes back to something I did years ago. And I think she struggled with, with mind games at this point. Some of my biggest mistakes have been as a parent. I bet every parent in this room could go, yeah. And we've had mind games about it. She was the first to hear about God's judgment. Now, this is interesting. This is where a lot of people in today's generation don't believe this, or they kind of brush it aside. Where it, we're told, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. What you sow, what you plant, you will reap. What you plant determines what you harvest. Meaning you can't plant a bunch of wild oats and expect to harvest this spiritual intimacy with Jesus. It doesn't work that way. There will be consequences. She had severe consequences. She was the first to face consequences of sin. Her consequences, well, let's read this. Now we're in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I'm reading from the New King James. Well, he starts off with still uh, judging Satan. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. That's the first uh, prophecy of the Messiah, the woman's seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I'll greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. Now, it's interesting. Some of you are pregnant, and pretty soon you're going to be thanking Eve. <laughs> for all the pain in childbirth. Maybe it was going to be a real pleasurable thing, and instead it's painful. So there's pain in childbirth, and um, pain you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be for your husband. He shall rule over you. So this is the built-in curse in, in a, in a uh, marriage. Um, it's part of the curse. This is part of the judgment. This is not a good thing. You used to think, oh, yeah, your desire will be for your husband. You want to follow him around like a puppy dog. That's not it at all. It's the same exact desire used of Cain. Cain, sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to rule over you. So part of the curse was that the wife would want to rule over the husband. Step aside. I got this. I can do better than you. Get back to your TV. I said, no, your desire shall be for your husband. That's why it's part of the curse. It's built in. And in the New Testament, we get to reverse the curse. That's the good news. How do you reverse the curse? In Ephesians 5, it says, don't be drunk with cheap substitutes. Be filled with the Spirit of God. And then it lists the benefits of being filled with the Spirit of God. Do you know what the first one is? It's your heart. You're going to have these songs of joy in your heart. It's going to be awesome. And then you'll be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. We get these people, wow, my husband's demanding I do these weird things, and, and I know he, he keeps quoting, be subject to your husband. Uh, it actually says, be subject to your husband as unto the Lord. 
there's an order there if he's going outside that box? No. How about asking him to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ? That's what it says first. And then it talks about woman, respect her own husband. I, I see built into every man is the need to be respected. Some of you are old enough to remember Lucille. What, Lucille, you gonna leave me now? Remember, the, the car can break down, the radio's messed up, the dog ran away, but if you respect me, we'll make it. So the, the man needs to be respected, the woman to be praised. So in, in Proverbs 31, her husband rises up, he praises her, he opens her mouth, his mouth, Oh, many women have done nobly, but you've excelled them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. <laughs> but you, a woman who fears the Lord, is to be praised. So it's in Scripture. It's built in. The husband's going to make it if you respect him in spite of the current situation. The wife's going to make it if you appreciate her. We're going to see how, how her Adam appreciated Eve and set the standard high for the rest of us. So how do you deal with it? How do you reverse the curse? Be filled with the Spirit. Be subject to the Holy Spirit. Let Him do this wonderful work in, in your life, in your relationship. Now to Adam in verse 17, say, okay, the ground's gonna be cursed by the sweat of your brow. We're familiar with that. Do you notice this phrase at the end? It's for your sake. Meaning, even in the judgment, even in the being dished out with this, the consequences, God's saying, I'm for you. I, I'm doing this for you. It's as if God says, I love you. I want my best for you. He says, yeah, you're going to have to work, but you know what? It's for you. I will use it in your life if you allow me to. So, ground curse for your sake. And then permanently kicked out of the garden. You know, it's not like God said, go to your room. Come out in, a, in an hour. No, no, no. It was go. Get out forever. Why? His reasoning was, if they are now in this fallen, sinful state, and then they eat the, the other fruit, they'll be in a state forever and not be able to be forgiven and redeemed. So even that, kicking them out, was for their own good. Now, here's where our verse comes in. She's the first to hear this from her husband. So in chapter 3, verse 20, our hero, Adam. Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now, you think, well, that's... <laughs> Well, he could have said, listen, I'm calling you life and not death. He could have been very nasty. Honestly, if he went by his feelings the way we do often, he could have said, you know what, woman? My life was perfect until you came along. I had me and God. We were fine. I was naming all the animals. We believe he's the smartest man who ever lived. We believe he had full 100% capacity of his brain. We are told today we only have 10% capacity. For some, I think that's generous, but, but I, I, he was just a, a brilliant man. Now, he could have blasted her, and he could have said some honest thing. Yeah, you know what? It was a lot better without you. And then, but wait a minute. 
he's wise. He's wise. He's going, Where, what would that do? That would make this worse. It would make it better. So he says, you know what I'm going to call you? I'm not calling you the mother of all death. I'm calling you the mother of all living. And then it says in chapter 4, verse 1, he knew Eve, his wife, and that's when they had their kids. Okay, one Hebrew word you want to know is yada. And it's not the yada, yada, yada that you'll hear on TV. It's a wonderful word. So it says in, in Genesis 4.1, Adam, yada, Eve, his wife. So it's this wonderful description of intimacy. It's used in the Bible even of first love. Now, in Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6, it's very famous, you know. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, which is what we normally do. Well, that doesn't make sense, God, so I'm going to do my own thing. That's leaning on your own understanding. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, yada him. In all your ways, know him. Acknowledge him. So what it means is every time you're trying to make a decision, is this God's will for my life? Is this the right way to go? Do it in your first love for Jesus Christ. That's what it means. It, can you do that and still put Jesus first? That's a pretty good thing. That's in all your ways acknowledge him. Can you do that and yet drift from God? Well, then it's probably not a good thing to do. But in all your ways, be in your first love for Jesus Christ and the promise, he'll direct your paths. It's not hard for him to do that. He's all about relationship. So, said, when it says he knew Eve, he yachted her. He knew, when you think of it, what she's going through spiritually. What is she going through spiritually? Spiritual hangover. For the first time in her life, she's thinking, what in the world is wrong inside? I don't like this feeling. I've never had this feeling. I hate this feeling. I feel so separated from God. Well, because you are. And he knew this. He knew what she's going through spiritually. A lot of husbands today have no clue. It could be that the wife is light years ahead of the husband spiritually, and he doesn't even know. He's just not there. Or it could be that she's struggling spiritually, that there's this recent temptation that's flared up, and he's not aware of it. But Adam was. He knew what she's going through uh, spiritually. How about emotionally? Do you think she's down? Do you think as soon as she bit that and gave it to her husband, she goes, wow, what have I done? And emotionally, she's not in the joy. She's not having victory. Emotionally, she just knows defeat. She knows pain. And then mentally, she's got mind games now, right? Right now she's going, I can't believe I ruined that. I can't believe what I've done. Physically, he knows what she's going through because they've been kicked out of the garden for the rest of their lives. And so as a wise husband, this is why we think he is 100% use of his brain. He knew how to first love her spiritually, mentally, you know, physically, socially. Just, just knew what she's going through. And he was able to meet her needs. Now, it's that the means that the two have really become one, or like I like to say, they're on the same page. 
I absolutely love to do premarital counseling. My wife and I do it together. And I tell people, I actually warn them, every time we meet, I'm going to remind you, you're on the same team. So football, you don't tackle your teammate. You block for your teammate. You're on the same team. You have the same enemy. You have the same direction, the same goal. All right, you're on the same team. That's what Adam and Eve were doing. They're on the same team. Well, here's the takeaways. We're landing the plane. Biggest takeaways from Eve, well, she received God's forgiveness. She could have said, no, I'm, I did what I did and I'm going to suffer the rest of my life. She received his forgiveness. His forgiveness, uh, well, she, she didn't let her past define her future. See, some people, they did, they did such a horrendous mistake in their past, they think it follows them like a black cloud their whole life. Not necessarily. David and Bathsheba had a pretty questionable past, but they let it go. They received God's forgiveness, and they were together to the end. So she pressed on. This is, I, I just love this term, pressing on, because it's active, it's proactive, it's, it's suggesting, okay, there's a struggle, but I'm headed in the right direction. Paul said this one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. I reach forward, and I'm pressing on to the goal, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I think, just think, that's such a, a view of Christianity. I'm not messing with my past. I can't do anything about it. That's gone. I'm pressing on to what God has for me now. Now, this verse was sent to us this morning in our Ohana group. 1 Corinthians 13, love bears all things. Did she bear all things? Yeah, my one son killed my other son. Okay, she bears all Believes all things? Well, how do you believe all things? I mean, what does that mean when Cain kills Abel? He goes, well, I'm believing that God is still at work. That's what it means. I, I believe God's not done with us yet. He doesn't take us this far and then drop us. On. I'm believing all things. You know, it says it, 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 it hopes all things. What are you hoping? Wait, how, do you, how do you have hope in this? You're at your son's funeral. I'm not depressed for the rest of my life. I have hope that God is at work, that God still loves me, still has a plan. I want my life to be fine be defined by hope, not depression, not being a downer. And you endure all things, yep, even the, the family mess up of all times. We know that um, she was the first to hear about God's forgiveness because in Genesis 3, it says that God made animal skins to clothe them. Remember he said, get rid of the fig leaves, it's not working. But you ever think it through, in order to provide animal skins, you had to kill an animal or two. So even there in the garden was the first innocent victim being slain to cover someone's sin. And even there, it's a type of Christ, the innocent Lamb of God, who's being killed for us the ones who messed up, the ones who sinned. And she received that. I'm sure she was humbled. I'm sure she was, was reluctant. 
but oh Lord, since you're providing it, I will accept it. So here's, here's a neat verse. I heard this the other day on Greg Laurie's uh, radio show. And he's quoting from 1 John 1, 9. Now in Ohana groups, we're going to start 1 John soon. And in verse, verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a double blessing. You're forgiven. You are clean. Does God accept me as I am? Actually, he accepts me as Christ is. I'm clothed with him. So he said, well, you know, the word confess. What does that mean to confess with God? Oh, yes, I, I'm a sinner. And it was so cool. He go, you know, after church, you can go out for a burger. Okay, this is not a vegan illustration. You can go out for a burger, and I say, man, this burger is fantastic. And you agree, wow, this is the best tasting burger. We're agreeing. We are confessing. We're agreeing. Yeah, I agree with you. This is great. Well, confession of sin is God says, this is sin. This is crossing the line. To confess that, so I, so I agree. I have committed that. I'm agreeing with you. Not that this is a good burger, but this is a sin. And if I do that, I will have my sins forgiven and I'll be cleansed from all unrighteousness. On this Mother's Day, isn't that some good news? Not, not one of us here is perfect. All of us need forgiveness. All of us need cleansing. It starts with agreeing with God. I'm not here to define what sin is and sin isn't. I'm here to agree with you to accept your definition, your lines, what's in bounds, what's out. And I agree with you, I have crossed over. I need forgiveness, I need cleansing. And that's what God has provided in Jesus Christ. Think about it.